Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. I love this series that we are in, and you may notice by your bulletin cover, we're talking about lessons from the kids' table as we get ready for Thanksgiving coming up. We're thinking about some of those important lessons that we learn. <clears throat> Pastor Todd shared the story of his household last, <clears throat> last week, and, and my family as well, we definitely had a kids' table. In fact, my little brother Bob and I and my cousins, we sat there and Actually, from the moment that I was eight or nine years old, I always wanted to get to the big adult table because the truth is they had uh, fancier decorations and the good china, but it took me a long time to get there. In fact, we were all at the kids' table. Our wives, our spouses were at the kids' table. Our children were at the kids' table. I was almost 30 years old until I made it to the adult table. And I have to tell you, when I finally got there, It's a little stiff, a little formal, and they were laughing and joking and having the best time yucking it up at the kids' table that I thought, I want to be in there. It's way more fun. And we started a strange tradition in my family. We all now fight to sit at the kids' table. It's a place that we want to be because there's lessons, there are important things that happen at the kids' table, not only that get us ready for the holidays, but that really prepare us to live the Christian faith, which is what we want to share with our confirmants today. But at the kids' table, we learn, we talked about last week, that we belong. And today we talk about, we learn that we are here to share. In fact, I was thinking about the kids' table in the late 1970s at, at our family gatherings. I was there, my little brother, my cousins, and I was thinking about all the things that we shared. We shared a common heritage. We had the same family line of great-grandparents and grandparents. We shared stories. We shared celebrations. We shared those quirky things that makes each family unique. We also, in our family, shared furniture. In fact, I was thinking about that when we set up housekeeping. There were certain pieces of furniture that got passed throughout the family. My favorite is a breakfast table that literally was in my grandparents' house in Gillum, Louisiana. And so as a little boy, I have so many memories around that table. When my grandfather died, it made it to our house in Bossier City, Louisiana. It was the kitchen table that we had for my middle school and high school years. And then later, Debbie and I had the table. And then my brother Bob had the table. And my cousin Paige had the table. That table is now in my son's Jay's house. (laughs) 70 years in the family. And every time I see that table, I smile. Because the story of my life could be told at that table. I came from a very generous family, to be honest with you. Not a single person at that kid's table wasn't helped get established by our family. My aunt and my mother and my grandmother, they moved us all. Every time we set up housekeeping, they arranged what furniture. If we had a need, they were there to provide it. And every one of us, as we were launched in life, knew that we belonged. We knew that we were not alone. We knew that we were loved, not only in the good times, but in the bad times. And I think that's the lesson the writer of Hebrews that wrote our scripture lesson for today was trying to convey. 
This letter to the Hebrews are written to Christians talking about their worship practices, talking about how they lived in community, talking about the ways that they loved each other. And he wanted them to remember how much they belonged, how much they were connected to each other. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now to Hebrews chapter 13. And we're going to read verses 15 through 16. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16. Hear the word of God. Through him then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. It's interesting in the ancient temple worship, um, the, the, the ancient scholars and rabbis debated about which of the five offerings set aside in Leviticus were the most significant. There were some that thought that actually the, the peace offering, the thanks offering was more important than the sin offering. And the reason they said that was the sin offering, you got something back. God forgave you. God kind of erased the wrong that you had done, gave you a new beginning. So there was almost a selfish motive in the sin offering, but the peace offering, the thanks offering was just to praise. Hearts filled with gratitude, overflowing with praise. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying that we do, that literally we offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That's the fruit of those that bear the name Christian, that we offer God our praise and our worship continually. And out of that praise and worship, we live differently. I love what the writing says, do good and share what you have, for these are the sacrifices that are pleasing to God. And don't just do this occasionally. Don't do it from time to time when you remember, but do it continually. Do it continually. That's what guides our journey of faith. I love an old story that I've shared through the years and I wanna share it particularly with our confirmands today. They were, I know Todd is hissing when I tell these corny old stories. I'm getting already a courtesy laugh from Pastor Todd. There were two little brothers one was a five-year-old named Kevin and his little brother, Ryan, who was three. And one Saturday morning, they got up and their mother was cooking pancakes for them for breakfast. And those pancakes smelled so good. And they started arguing and fussing over which one would get the first pancake. And not only were they fussing, they were kind of wrestling and tussling and jostling each other. And their mother thought, this is a wonderful opportunity for a life moral lesson. And she said, boys, boys, you need to calm down. I want to ask you a question. What would Jesus do if he were here with us this morning? And then she answered. She said, I tell you what he would do. He would say, mother, would you please let my brother have the first pancake? And as soon as he said that, the older boy, Kevin, who was five, just lit up. And he turned to his mother and said, Mom, that's a great idea. And he turned to his little brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> I love that story because it's the human condition. We all believe that the work of the gospel could and should be done, but we want somebody else to do it. We know that we need to go and feed the poor. We need to go visit the sick, but we want someone else to do it. We know the spirit of Christ needs to be strong in our church, in our community, in our world, but we want someone else to do the hard work of the gospel. You be Jesus, we say. And what does God say? 
What does God see in us? That we're all members of the kids' table. And what he says is, I want each one of you and I want each me to be Jesus for each other. To live seriously, verse 16, do good and share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And so, um, and so the real question for us this morning is how? How do we do that? Luckily, um, the, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews already tells us, Hebrew told us right there, how do we do this? We do this through him. Through him, we do this through Jesus. We do this through the Holy Spirit. We share through the Holy Spirit because it's the Spirit. It's, it's the Spirit who gives us not just, not just the ability to share, but the desire to share too. Because that's, that's always the thing, that, that's the thing about sharing. That's the thing, that's always the thing about sacrifice. It always, always costs us something. In fact, this, uh, this past week I was reading the newspaper and there was this headline that caught my eye. Um, uh, apparently the experts are saying that because of inflation and because of a, a horrible bird flu that's hit our, our country's poultry producers, the experts are expecting for, for turkey prices this year to just absolute soar. Uh, they're saying that it's going to be like something like a, a 23% rise in the prices of turkeys this, or this, this Thanksgiving relative to last Thanksgiving. And they said it's not just that, it's not just the birds that are going to cost more. They're saying it's also going to be the cranberries and it's going to be the eggs and it's going to be the butter. And, and I don't know about y'all, but Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving without butter, at least not, not at our house. And so all of those things taken together, it's, it made the experts write this headline. This is the thing that caught my attention. They said, Thanksgiving dinner is so expensive this year that it'll be cheaper to dine out. Y'all, they're trying to outsource Thanksgiving now. Um, and I, I, know, I know what they're saying, you know, what they're doing, what they're outsourcing. It's really just the cooking and the cleaning, but, and that's probably, that's probably not all that bad. That's not that, that too bad a sacrifice, but, but think what else that means. If we get uh, rid of that, if we outsource the whole Thanksgiving, you know what else that means? It means that it'll take away the, the smells of Thanksgiving too. That means it'll take away the gaffes, it'll take away the mistakes of Thanksgiving too. It'll take away that, I don't know, that, that sense, that lingering sense around the table. Lingering around the, around the table with, with stuffed bellies that are pushing against belt buckles that are begging to be one hole looser. They're trying to outsource Thanksgiving. And, and I, wonder, I, I wonder how many of us already have. Not, not just the busyness, not just outsourcing the busyness of Thanksgiving, but the actual business, the real business of Thanksgiving. Gratitude, simplicity, reflectiveness, sharing. Because, uh, because there's a warning here. 
There's a warning in this passage, and the warning says that that once we really start to follow the way of Jesus Christ, once we really start to take Jesus seriously, once we stop trying to outsource all the harder stuff of, of the faith, the closer we get to God, the warning is that the price always goes up. It will always, always ask something of us. It'll ask us to share. And yeah, we know, of course, that means it'll ask, it'll ask us to share Jesus. It'll ask us to share our faith, of course. It'll ask us, of course, to, to share our stories. It'll ask us, of course, to, to share our stuff. But let's be honest, y'all have heard us say all of that stuff before. You've heard, I mean, goodness, for like what, a combined, for like 50 years, you've heard us say those exact same things. And this church has done an amazing job of it. This church has done an amazing job of sharing its blessings. Pastor Sterling was giving me an update. This year we collected over 1,300 coats in our annual coat drive. There are, there are 4,200 angels out there on our angel trees. Um, this year with these compliments, we will celebrate well over 200 professions of faith as a church. Right? This church gets it. This church does an amazing job. We do an amazing job of sharing our blessings. We do an amazing job of sharing our material blessings. But what about our mental ones and our emotional ones and our spiritual ones, sharing our, our spiritual blessings, all of those, those wonderful intangibles of life, the, the intangible but not unshareable necessities of life, us sharing joy and us sharing peace and hope and courage and energy and love and strength. Because friends, when we will do that, when we will share those things, we're sharing Jesus too. And so there are three things. There are, there are three specific things that I really want us to consider sharing this Thanksgiving. Three specific things. And the first one is this, us sharing comfort. Comfort. The Apostle Paul put it like this, Paul wrote, kind of as an introduction, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see, the comfort that we receive is not ours to keep. The comfort that we receive is ours to share. And, and I'd never seen it, I'd never thought about it before this week, but, but take a look at it. It struck me this week that Paul actually opens this letter, this, this really powerful letter. Paul chose this topic, these words, to open this letter. This is, this is chapter one, verse one, verses one through four. Paul is opening his letter with this thought, this thought about comfort, sharing comfort. Like I said, this, this is a really powerful letter, but it's not a particularly pleasant letter. If you read through the entire book of, of, of 2 Corinthians, it's hard. 
It's tough. There's friction there. There are hurt feelings there. There are hurt feelings between Paul and, and the Corinthians. It's kind of like what I reckon some of our Thanksgivings are going to be like this year. It's what I kind of reckon that, that some of our Christmases are going to be like this year. There's going to be tension there. But Paul cuts through all of that and he begins, he leads off with these words, these profound words about comfort. That God comforts us so that we might comfort others, so that we might share comfort. And don't we live in a world that is dying in need of just a little bit of comfort? And maybe, maybe it's not the material comforts, but definitely the spiritual and emotional comforts. Those, those things that we can't buy. Those things that, that you and me, we, we can't outsource. In fact, this week I was, I was out, and I didn't remember where I was, but I was waiting in line somewhere. And so like I always, I pulled out my phone, I started going through one of my news apps. And there was, there was this picture, there was a picture that caught my eye, there was a picture that, that made me laugh and then it made me think, it's this picture right here. Um, and the thing that made me think is that um, just from what we can see, we can figure out everything that we can't see, right? Like you and I, we know exactly what went on in this picture. Wet cement met scooter tire, and someone had a really bad day. And it struck me that that whenever it comes to comforting others, when it comes to sharing comfort, comfort, sometimes that's exactly what it's going to take. It's going to take us putting things together, connecting the dots. Sometimes what it's going to take is us just being sensitive. It's going to be us being sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's going to be us being sensitive to to context clues, figuring out from what we we can see everything that that we can't. The, The tone of someone's voice. The, their general mood, their, their forced but telling smile, the things that we can see, see if we're going to really be encouragers, if we're really going to be faithful stewards of the comfort with which God has comforted us, it's going to cost us something. It's going to cost us time. And it's going to cost us attentiveness. It's going to cost us that sense of sensitivity. It's It's going to cost us compassion and care. Such is the way of Jesus Christ, us sharing comfort. And do you know know one of the best ways that we can do that? It's one of the best ways, and yet it's one of the most underrated ways. It's us just, it's us sharing a laugh. Sharing a laugh. I I, I share this, I say this to, to all the couples I get to do premarital counseling with. I always tell them that, that laughter, laughter is like the canary in the coal mine. I tell them that, that, that you can tell, you can tell an awful lot about a couple, you can tell an awful lot about the strength and the health of, of a couple's relationship just by seeing how much, how much time they spend laughing together. See, because it's just, there's something about it. There's, there's something about laughing. It, it, that helps us not take ourselves so seriously. There's something about laughing. There's something about the emotional intimacy of laughing that helps reconnect us, that helps remind us of, of our shared humanity. There's something about 
Something about laughter and beyond, beyond all of its proven health benefits. I mean, the way that, that, that physicians and the scientists tell us that laughing actually lowers our blood pressure and it, and it raises our oxygen levels and it just improves our overall general mood beyond all of its physical benefits. It's emotional and it's spiritual benefits. They're, they're just as important. They're probably even more so. The Proverbs tell us that it's true. Remember? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Laughter, humor, they are amongst some of the most underrated, undervalued, underused of all God's spiritual gifts. But they're also, they're also some of the most dangerous too. Um, because to do it right, we have to have a proper sense of timing. We have to have a proper sense of, of tone. Our humor, our laughs, it, it always has to be, it always has to be wholesome. Never demeaning, never degrading, never trying to tear someone else down, but always seeking to build others up. Because you and me, we serve a God who laughs. Ours is a God who laughs. Ours is the very God who created laughter. And and I trust, I have every trust that God created laughter because he knew that we were going to need it. God created laughter because he knew that we were going to need to laugh. God knew that we were going to need that sense, of, that sense of caffeinated faith. God created laughter because he knew that we were going to need that sense of, of carbonated joy, that sense of carbonated trust. God knew that we were going to need to laugh, that we were going to need that thing that would remind us that despite all the outer circumstances in him, everything was going to be all right. Laughter. During these days, we got to make room for laughter and for fun and for humor and for joy because those aren't bad words. Those aren't juvenile kids table sort of words. In fact, we need to reconnect to it. We need to reconnect to that energy, that awesome, wide-eyed, childlike, but not childish energy. That energy that knows how to savor this season, this, this, this wonderful, wonder-filled season. We need to reconnect to that, and we need to, to learn how to share it with others, to share that energy, to share that joy with others. Because we know that one of the surest ways of finding joy is by giving it away. It's by sharing it. It's by sharing it with the world around us. It's by sharing it with those all around us who need it just as much as we do. But, um, but the other side of that equation is, is equally true. Yeah, we, we got to learn how to share our comforts. And yes, we got to learn how to share our joy. But you and me, we, we also got to learn how to, how to share our burdens. Way too many of us are in here this morning. Way too many of us are, are walking around with the weight of the world on our shoulders. Our, our marriages and our families and our businesses and our plans, they're, they're all falling apart. But rather than, than sharing, rather than sharing the pain and the hurt and the confusion and the fear, rather than sharing, we're just trying to muscle through on our own. And, um, and I don't know if, I, I don't know if y'all know this about me, 
but, but I really love, one of my favorite things to do, I love going hiking. And my family, my family loves to go hiking. It's just, it's, it's just one of our things. And so every year we save up our money and we try to find a really good deal and we try to take at least one hiking vacation every summer. And we've gotten to go to some really amazing places. And, and every year I tell, myself, I tell myself the exact same thing. Um, I, I always tell myself that I'm gonna work out and I'm gonna get in shape so that I can hike well, so that I can do it right. Um, but apparently, um, uh, cardio isn't one of those things that you can outsource either. <laughs> and, uh, and so here's a picture of me hiking in Alaska a couple years ago. <laughs> and uh, uh, here's a picture of me hiking in Washington State. <laughs> and here's a picture of me hiking in Costa Rica. And, and the crazy thing is, I mean, this, every hiking trip ends this way. And I, in my defense, we were out altitude at most of those, okay? Um, but in my defense, and, and just crazily enough, um, every time, every time Carrie asked me, Carrie asked me the exact same question every time. She asks if I want her to carry my backpack. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you that I, that ain't ever going to happen. Um, I'm never going to do that. There's just a certain sense of pride in me, there is a pride in me that's holding on. There is a pride in me, a stubborn sense of pride that will not share the load. I'm not gonna share my burden, my burden. But you remember, you remember what the apostle Paul said to the folks in Galatia? Paul wrote this, he said, bear one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ by sharing each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And then later on, he goes on to say this. He goes on to say, for all must carry their own loads. And, and it seems, I know, it sounds like Paul is speaking out of both sides of his mouth. It seems a little contradictory, but I promise you that it's not. In the original, in the Greek, what Paul is saying here, in the original, our burdens and our loads, they are two totally different things. Paul is saying is that, yeah, there are certain things in this life that we are completely capable of handling by ourselves, but, but there are other things, there are other struggles, there are other fights, our burdens, there are other things that are so heavy that no single person can possibly carry it on their own. But that's why we have each other. Compromands, that's why we have each other. We're here to, to help one another out. We're here to help each other and, and to, to stretch each other and to grow each other and to support each other and to encourage each other. We're, we're, we're here to, to console each other and to comfort each other and to enjoy each other, to share each other's burdens. And yet, just like everything else, it, it comes at a price. Sharing our, our burdens will cost us. And it'll cost us our pride. And it'll cost us that sense, that vein, sense, that facade of our own self-sufficiency. Oh, but friends, it's so worth it. It is a worthy price to pay for, for the joy and for the peace and for the freedom, for the gratitude that we find on the other side. Sitting together at the table. Adults and kids alike sitting together at Christ's holy table with Him in Him, for Him, through 
him sharing, sharing that life that is truly life. As we pray. Our God, um, this morning once more we, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for, for sharing with us. Thank you for choosing. That's one of your very first acts of creation. Thank you for sharing with us even your very breath. That you breathed into us the breath of life and it sparked something holy and sacred and beautiful and good. Lord, help us to, help us to steward your breath well and the things that we say and the things that we share. I thank you for sharing your son. Thank you for the fact in sharing our, our flesh and sharing our life. Thank you that in sharing our humanity, you know from the very inside, Lord, you, you know what it is to be human and so you can help. You can help in all of our weightiness. You can help in all of our brokenness and burdens. This morning, Lord, we pray. We pray for each and every one of us who has that burden. The thing that that we stumble underneath its weight, that thing that we can't carry alone. Oh God, I pray that you you would send forth to them a sense of peace, that you send forth a sense of your presence, Lord, and that they might feel it through us, your people. So God, we ask that, uh, that as you share, that you would embolden us to share as well, that we would share you, that we would share life, that we would share goodness. God, help us to to share you in a way that makes such a difference because we offer you ourselves just as we offer you this prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app. And follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.